does that mean? As a kid, that question was followed by the inevitable, go look it up, which I did, and that explains a lot about my career path. Dictionaries do what you think they do, listing words, giving definitions, spellings, pronunciation, syllabication, history, usage, parts of speech, and so on. There have been big, fat, impressive, unabridged ones. The smaller ones you got when you graduated high school called collegiate, others on a subject or geographic area or meant for an audience such as children or that translate between languages. And there's the even more exotic varieties, reverse dictionaries to help you find words given their definition. So is there a word for being buried alive? Yep, vivisepulture. Even rhyming dictionaries based on the sounds and word endings. Not to mention other sources built around words, concordances, thesauri, style manuals, quotation sources, and one with the greatest name ever, the Internet Anagram Server, also known as I-Rearrangement Servant. Think about it. Words define a language, and in turn, languages help to define cultures and societies. And people define words, as the last man who tried to define them all himself knew, and in the process trying also to define and distinguish his developing nation. A document that changed the world, an American Dictionary of the English Language, compiled and published by Noah Webster, 1828. I'm Joe Janes at the University of Washington Information School, and yes, I am one of those people who gets word of the day emails from two different dictionaries, so at least you know what you're up against. Every so often you see stories about new words added to major dictionaries and the reactions they can provoke, ranging from why wasn't that already in there to that's not a word to the end of civilization as we know it. Bro-hug was added to the Oxford English Dictionary in 2016 with a first noted usage in a Usenet news group in 2001. Bro, in various guises, goes back to 1530. The OED is the source of many great stories, the crazy guy who contributed thousands of quotation references during its development. Tolkien's time there as a young man, he might have written the entry for walrus, among others. The old definition for abbreviator as a Vatican official for drawing up the Pope's briefs. Look, lexicographers need some fun, too. The earliest word lists may have been Sumerian, about 5,000 years ago. Other ancestors include a dictionary-like thing in 2nd century BCE Alexandria, examples in Rome, and the glosses in medieval Europe where scholars helpfully defined the difficult Latin words in the margins of books as vernacular languages increasingly took hold. The first English dictionary was likely Caudry's A Table Alphabetical in 1604. Samuel Johnson's 1755 work had some 40,000 words and 114,000 illustrative quotations, and that was largely that for three quarters of a century. Until along came Noah Webster, not to be confused with his distant cousin Daniel, a New Englander through and through. His father mortgaged the family farm to send him to Yale, from which he graduated in the height of the American Revolution in 1778. 
That education ill-prepared him for just about anything, including farming, so after his graduation his father gave him eight dollars and sent him on his way. Noah never repaid the debt, and the farm was lost within the decade. He tried teaching, which he found unpleasant and poorly paying, and passed the bar, but never had a stable law practice. A biographer who calls him the forgotten founding father speaks of his faith in himself, his work, and his ability to promote both, and calls him a young man on the make whose style apparently offended some. I imagine an early American Mark Zuckerberg or Jeff Bezos. There are myriad aspects to Webster stints in two state legislatures, editing, publishing, he was part of the founding of Amherst College, an early copyright advocate, an ardent revolutionary and federalist, and friend of George Washington who grew increasingly conservative, reactionary, and Calvinist, coming to see the masses as ignorant, dangerous, and not to be trusted in the wake of the French Revolution, Jefferson's election, and the War of 1812. He is best known, however, for two works, A Speller, published in 1783, which sold millions of copies and made him famous, and, of course, his great dictionary, planned and worked on for almost 30 years. An 1806 attempt landed with a dull thud. It finally came off the presses, all 70,000 words of it, around Thanksgiving of 1828. 2,500 copies of the first edition were printed, a critical, though not financial, success at $20. Its critical feature lies in the first of the 85 words in its title, an American Dictionary. In the first page of the preface, there it is, language is the expression of ideas, and if the people of one country cannot preserve an identity of ideas, they cannot retain an identity of language. In short, American English will deviate from English English because of our land, heritage, society, government, and people. He also sets out to, in his words, redeem the language from its corruptions, claiming that Americans spoke the most pure version. The extensive introduction begins by laying out the biblical origins of all language, pausing to elucidate the principal faults in Johnson's work in areas such as orthography, pronunciation, grammar, syntax and punctuation, and particularly defining the differences between two similar words and their origins. Webster's word entries are considerably simpler than we're used to, including accent, part of speech, definition, a few origin and usage notes, a sample sentence here and there. He extensively cites American sources, including many of the founders like Washington and Adams, as well as Washington Irving, though not Jefferson, Payne, or Cooper, and adds a great many new American words. Here we find new senses of words like martial, plantation, and regent, each with different meanings outside the English context. Native American borrowings like caribou, hominy, and podunk, words from other languages like prairie, chili, and sleigh, and brand new Americanisms, underbrush, lumber, squatter. Okay, yes, I did what everybody does with a new dictionary. I looked up the dirty words. Yes to damn and hell and piss with a strikingly extensive etymology. No to the F and S words. 
pimp makes a surprising appearance, though, along with, shall we say, a curious selection of words beginning with S, E, and X, and abbreviator. The cruel joke here is that, despite his early and ardent support of copyright legislation, his name has entered the public domain. What is now the Merriam-Webster Company is the direct heir, having bought the rights to Noah's work in 1843, but anybody can publish a Webster's Dictionary. Merriam-Webster is responsible for one of the most noteworthy 20th century dictionaries, the 1961 Third Unabridged Edition, which kind of undeservedly became the subject of thundering editorials and condemnatory articles, if for no small reason that it included, apparently without enough disparagement, ain't. Like people don't use it. Today, lexicography has changed. While dictionaries are still being printed and bought, there won't be an OED 3rd edition or a Webster's 4th, at least not in print, though both continue in digital forms. New web sources like WordSpy and the Urban Dictionary work much more quickly, and yes, let's be honest, Microsoft Word's Spellcheck and Thesaurus prevail in many ways, not to mention all the fun autocorrect games we get to play on mobile devices. Living languages are always in flux. Even Latin gets new words. Escariorum lavator for dishwasher. And if you need any evidence that languages help to create community, go to a sci-fi convention and listen for Klingon or Navi or Dothraki. The Académie Française spends a great deal of effort barring the door with minimal effect from abominations like Le Weekend or Le Software. It's Logiciel, s'il vous plaît. A 2016 proposal to reduce usage of the circumflex, the little hat thing, and to change spellings of over 2,000 words, including onion, led to national protest and the je suis circumflex hashtag, which the Academy also frowns on, preferring mot dièse, with an accent grave. Webster's etymologies have been criticized as iffy. About a third of his definitions seem at least strongly influenced by Johnson's work, who also borrowed freely as lexicographers are wont to do. Webster was also deeply committed to spelling reform and had more luck there than most. We have him to thank for Americanized spelling of favor and theater and defense, not to mention Americanize, though he didn't get away with tongue, T-U-N-G, women, W-I-M-M-E-N, ache, A-K-E, or dropping the final E from words like doctrine. I do like group with two O's, though. His definitions reflect his view of a conservative Christian society, and as one of the last dictionaries to be the work of a single person, that could hardly be surprising. He's also been accused of linguistic patriotism. In all of his works, here and throughout his long life, this complicated man wanted the best for the country which he loved deeply, if not always unreservedly. It's safe to say this dictionary was a critical aspect of the emerging American identity, influencing and shaping how Americans write and speak, and by extension think, then and now.